We have several us out, and I know Marilyn's not feeling very well this morning, and, and uh, Benny, he's, he was ready to come to church this morning. He's not feeling very well. We're not just got a bad stomach, so I guess there's something going around. But anyhow, it's great to be here this morning. Let's go to the Lord of Prayer, and we're going to ask you Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for this day and allowing us to come together to fellowship and worship you, Lord. Just please help those who are teaching Sunday school and help Pastor Steve to preach what we need today, Lord. And just help those who are not here, Lord, and help the prayer requests that are to come, Lord. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Take your book and turn to page 404. Faith in our Father. Y'all probably don't know this song. And uh, we're going to whisper. We're learning you a little quick right here.
Thank you, Brother Wayne, and uh, I'll try to fill in for Brother Roger. I can't do the good job that Brother Roger does every week, and we appreciate him so much. And uh, we knew that they wouldn't be here today, and Brother uh, Michael gave me a text message this week. He gave me uh, really two options, to teach a lesson or have the devotion. I immediately said, I'll teach, I'll teach uh, do the devotion because I certainly didn't want to try to step into his shoes of teaching in the book of Genesis. But he's doing such a good job. Don't you enjoy our Sunday school? I mean, I really do, and I appreciate it. You know, it doesn't happen by accident that Brother Michael gets up here and teaches the lesson. It's come because he's prepared well through the week, and Brother Michael, we appreciate that. Sure. I, I heard oh saying one time that you can't you can't throw any hay down to the uh, in the trough if you haven't put any in the barn log, <laughs> something to that effect. And uh, it's obvious that Brother Michael works on that. But I tell you, I, I'm reminded this morning Psalms uh, Psalms one twenty two verse one. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I really feel that this morning. I'm glad, you know, so the power of our words are so strong. Maybe you haven't got off to the best day today, but if you'll just be glad, uh, it'll change your day. Uh, so let's say it together. Would, would, would you do that? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Father's Day, and much has already been said by Brother Wayne, but Father's Day and Mother's Day are two occasions that I really like for us to emphasize in church and the importance of our fathers and mothers. And I'll, I'll remind Pam as we were coming to church this morning, this is the first time in my lifetime that I was not able this morning to pick up the phone and call or say to my dad, Happy Father's Day. And I, I missed that a lot this morning. Uh, and I know for many of you, many of you that's the same. Uh, you know, I, I, I think about this a good bit when we think about Father and Mother's Day. When you look out across a congregation, you have to realize and think about that even though it's Father's Day, every person may have not had a father in their life. And, or, or there may be people that had a father in their life and it, it was not the best situation that it could be. And so that as Christians, reminds us and helps us to be encouraging to others that even though your earthly father's situation might not have been what you wanted to be, and maybe it was, but if it wasn't, we have a heavenly father that is perfect in every way. And yesterday, um, I led. Uh, I came down to work a while, and and one of the one of the great things that my son-in-law that lives close to me encouraged me to do, um, and he's close to a son to me because I have daughters. But uh, but Steve, he encouraged me when we needed to buy a tractor. 
to buy one that had a cab on with air conditioning and radio. And I enjoy that on, on Saturday morning when I get in there and I enjoy it in the wintertime when I'm putting hay out and it's raining or sleet and I'm having to do it in the dark because I wouldn't have done that if he hadn't just kept encouraging me in that. Uh, so yesterday morning as I played the radio that there was something that happened that really thrilled my soul and I want to share it with you and I'm going to be real, try to be careful that I don't take up too much time, Michael's time, but um, there's a national songwriter named Aaron Barker and Aaron Barker's son was born just two weeks after he turned 17 years old. But he wasn't filled with dread at the prospect of being a father at such a young age. And I'm, I'm reading you an article that appeared in Newsweek magazine back in about 1990. Aaron Barker's own father, it turns out, wasn't present in his life. What better way to make up for that absence, he figured, than to have a boy, a buddy of his own. I was with him in the hospital, and I thought to myself, this will be great. We'll grow up together, he told a local reporter in Nashville in 2014, laughing at his novelty of an inexperience at that time. It would take Barker a long time to learn that fatherhood entails more, much more, than being a friend to a son. More than 16 years to be precise, when his son reached an age when boys test their father's boundaries of patience and love. Barker's son got in the car and went some places he shouldn't have went. And on one particular day, it was really bad. That day, Parker knew the relationship had to change in a fundamental way. That was the night it really came to the reality that I had to be the dad. I couldn't just be his friend. Parker explained, still very much moved by the memory of that night, I got on him pretty hard and finally went to bed. It wasn't just the son who had a hard time sleeping that night. The father, it turns out, was still trying to process what had happened. He had his own doubts about how he had handled things. Not certain he administered the proper dosage of discipline to his son. No father ever is. I just didn't know if I'd gotten on him too hard or not hard enough, Barker said. But there was a bigger question lurking in the songwriter's head, a more essential question. The very same question any of us who've ever raised kids wrestle with, if we have any sense. How can you be that mad at somebody and still love him that much. Barker wondered, where does that come from? What he did next ended up being one of the best and biggest decisions of his life. 
He turned those raw emotions he was feeling and those hard questions he was asking into a song. He said, I got the guitar, now I'm playing and praying and thinking, looking for the answer. And this song was the answer to it. The answer was the song, Love Without End. Amen. Which soon, <clears throat> pardon me. God bless. I hope I can communicate to you what I'm feeling here in a minute about this. The rest was history. The song wound up in the legend George Strait's Capable Hands. It spent five weeks at number one and was now called on the country charts April 1990, giving George his first multi-week number one song. Prior to that, his number one song, all 18 of them, had spent only one week at the top of the charts. That's the way God loves us, Barker explained, and that's why it's in us all the time. We're born with it. You can get pretty mad at somebody you love, but you still love it. And then I thought, how cool is that? Maybe I can get away with some mistakes I've made and still in the gates, you know, when it's all over. And the song goes like this. And I'm going to read it. And I want you to help me because every time I say it's a love without end, I want you to say amen, okay? So the lyrics of the song go like this. I got sent home from school one day with a shiner on my eye. Fighting was against the rules. It didn't matter why. When Dad got home, I told that story. Just like I'd rehearsed, then stood there on those trembling knees and waited for the worst. And he said, let me tell you a secret about Father's love. The secret that my daddy said was just between us. He said, daddies don't love their children every now and then. It's a love without end. Amen. It's a love without end. Amen. When I became a father in the spring of 81, there was no doubt that stubborn boy was just like my father's son. And when I thought my patience had been tested to the end, I took my daddy's secret and passed it on to him. I said, let me tell you a secret about a father's love. The secret that my daddy said was just between us. I said, daddies don't love their children every now and then. It's a love without end. Amen. It's a love without end. Amen. So I was listening to this song 
and the cab of my tractor down here early yesterday morning. When we got down to this last verse, tears streamed down my eyes. Because no one wants to disappoint their father. I didn't. Didn't ever want to disappoint my father. And after I become a Christian, I really didn't want to disappoint my heavenly father. But I did. I just can't seem to hit. But I do sometimes. So as I listened to this song, got down to the third verse, and my spirit left for joy to understand what it means. Last night I dreamed I died and stood outside those pearly gates. When suddenly I realized there must be some mistake. If they know half the things I've done, they'll never let me in. Then somewhere from the other side, I heard these words again. And they said, let me tell you a secret about a father's love. A secret that my daddy said was just between us. You say daddies don't just love their children every now and then. It's a love without an end. It's a love without an end. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Shared with us, for we have not received the spirit of bondage unto fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Not just someone who is our father, but someone that we have relationship with. It's been an honor for many years now to officiate probably hundreds of adoption proceedings. Especially when I have a, a child that's eight or nine, 10, 12 years old. I feel like it's so important that they hear especially from the adoptive father, how they feel about this child. I remember one particular time, a little 13-year-old girl that was being adopted and her life had been, been rough. And I turned to the father. 
And I said, sir, do you love this young lady? He said, yes, I do. I said, tell me about it. I wanted this young lady to hear him say. He said, tell me about it. He proceeded to say, well, in my role as the judge, he said, Judge Green, this young lady came into my life and it's filled a very empty spot. And we love her, it doesn't matter that she's adopted. Said, if you prove this today, we'll take her and we'll love her just like our very own. And as he was talking to her about her, this little 13-year-old girl just laid her head down on my table and wept because she had never heard somebody express those feelings toward her. She had received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out of father. She had a natural father, but now she had a father to have a relationship with. So what I want to leave you here today, I'm sorry I've been so emotional, but I tell you, it thrilled me yesterday to think about it as I listened to this song. That through the very grace of God and his unconditional love to us, He's going to love us and He's going to forgive us. And he's going to take us back. And He has got a special place in His family for us. Amen. And nothing can change that. It's a love without end. Amen. Amen. That's what was on my heart to share with you today. And I'm so thankful, Brother Steve. That love without any. Before we take her classes today, do you have anything that you'd like to share in any way? If not, thank you for listening to me. I want you to really continue to pray for uh, Brother Bo. He's got to come home, thank the Lord, but there's a lot of special challenges for being at home. I see Lisa and her family's here. I didn't know that we could have had an organist before Sunday school. We'll have one after Sunday school. <laughs> and uh, for uh, Vanessa's father, Uncle Jack, please keep him in your prayers as he came home from the hospital and just stayed today and night and had to go back. Is there any other special requests that should be mentioned? Just remember Elaine Roger. On their travels. That's right. They asked us especially to do that. We sure did. Okay. Before we take your classes, one more time. God's love for us is without end. Amen. Amen. Take your classes. <coughs>
Sit down, Pastor. <laughs> okay, my first question is how do I follow that? Now, I really appreciate what you said, Brother Chris, and you could have took even longer. Y'all going to have to forgive my bullfrog voice. It's not strep. It's type of bronchitis, so I don't know if I can stand up here 45 minutes. I'm a little noodle-kneed this morning. But... Uh, the only thing I thought about was we know how much we love our children. And John said, for God so loved the world, he gave his son away. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's all I can say. Anyone a word this morning? <clears throat> all right. Um, I've got some handouts, but before I pass it out, I've got a teacher's apple this morning. So in this 10th chapter of Genesis, did anybody catch the pattern that's in there? And this is a cosmic crisp apples. They're the best apples you can get, let me tell you. Anybody catch? You may have caught it and not realize it's a pattern. Anybody catch it? All right. Sister Pam, would you pass these out for me, please? Thank you. I didn't want to pass those out because they give it away. And while she's passing them out, I will say this. If, if uh, Bo's son and son-in-law and me this week can get his ramp built and they get a vehicle built, he'll be here this coming Sunday. <laughs> if it is humanly possible, he wants to be here for homecoming. So at least for the worship service. We're in the 10th chapter of Genesis. And if you just look at this chapter, it's kind of one of those, if you're reading through the Bible, you're tempted to skip it. But um, it's, it's not one to skip. There's some important things to note here. Really nothing particularly doctrinal, but more historical. I did read an article a fellow who wasn't even coming from a Christian background, but from an archaeological, or that's not the word, what is it, when ancestry or whatever, that nowhere else in the world was there a better, I hate to use the word, explanation of the nations, their beginnings, than in the 10th and 11th chapter of Genesis. Um, and the, one of the study things I saw was titled God and the Nations. And what this chapter and some of the next chapter does, it takes Noah's three sons, Japheth, who was the eldest, and Shem and Ham, after Noah's death, which way they went, and their sons, and how they, how they spread out across the world. But before I do that, let me, if you'll look at the bottom of the first handout, the pattern after Noah and the flood 
was how short man's lifespan was becoming. If you look at Noah, 448 years, Shem, 500. But you get on down there and you start seeing 200 and 100 and something years. And I personally believe that's due to the canopy of water that was removed from the earth. How that the, the gamma rays and such things that fly around in space were starting to affect man. And each, each generation here, his lifespan on average was getting shorter as those effects deteriorated his long-term health. And there might have been another, other reasons. This is one that I've always thought about. But you see, from Noah and his son Shem down to Joseph, lifespans drastically decreased, all because of sin. The flood had never happened if man hadn't been so sinful. So that was the pattern. So I'll eat that apple. <laughs> Anyone have thought on just that? We'll, we'll take it in little bites here. So is she, uh, yeah. so she is the oldest? No, Japheth is the oldest. Okay, he's just not on this thing. Uh, That's what I was looking for. I just don't see him on this thing. So, Japheth. Wait, I'm sorry, you didn't see it on which page? On this thing. He's, right he's on, not on the bottom. That's what I was looking for on yeah. the bottom. So. No, no. That's uh, Shem's descendants. Gotcha. Okay. Which is important because if you go down one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, there's Abraham who we'll be studying real soon. So we'll make that point right now. You know, Shem is the line that Christ comes from. And so, of course, in that line is Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. So you can see that. We'll get back to that here in a couple of chapters. But there you see Abraham is in the line of Shem, which I guess we would be safe to consider the godly line. From Noah. Yeah. Alright, if you look above that, and I tried and tried, but I could not get my black and white printer to print in color, so I had to do a little highlighting, so y'all forgive me for that. But what it shows is a, a beginning picture of the direction each of the sons went. And let's see if I've got anything else here. No. no. Okay. But we'll start with the oldest, Japheth. He went northeastward, and really, you could pretty much say Europe descended from Japheth, and therefore so did we, because we're, we're from European settlers, right? Okay. But he also took the northern part of the continent, which I guess we could say would be a big chunk of Russia is his descendants. So really, you're Russian, all your European people were from the line of Japheth, the oldest son. Okay? Now, Ham moved, was Egypt. And logic would say, from, from there, the continent of Africa. Now, Shem... In this map, you'll see, I don't guess he knew it at the time, but he, he 
owned all the oil fields. If you want to look at Iraq, Iran, and all those places, Saudi Arabia, that was for his generation settled. But they also turned, and it would include India, and even all the way to the coast, and you can start Korea, the Vietnam, or Vietnam's Korea, I forgot which order they in, China, and up and across to, to the Americas. So I think it, 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 everything shows that the American Indian would have been descended from Seth along with South America, let's say the Incas. They would have all traced back to Seth. And I, I don't know, that may bore some of you guys to death, I'm sorry, but I think that's so interesting as to how the continents pretty much were divided by those three sons. Interesting, they all went their separate way. Well, their descendants went in separate ways. Of course, as we'll find later, this occurrence at the Tower of Babel probably pushed that along a good ways. But um, so that's kind of the big picture. So the most interesting thing to me is the American Indian would have came from the lineage of Seth. So I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Shem. I'm sorry, did I say I have Shem? My bad. Okay, now if you look on the next page, it's kind of a, a big picture, a little more in depth of these uh, sons of Noah. And if you'll notice in the left, under Japheth, you see listed Greek, Moscow, Yugoslavia, Macedonia. That's pretty much on it. Ham, Egypt, Libya, Palestine, Ethiopia. And then finally on the right, Shem, Hebrew, Lydia, Syria, Iran. So just kind of a big picture there. Now, if you really go bonkers on this like I did, you'll look at the last page. And we are not going to go in detail on each one of these, I promise. I'm not going to do that to you. But a few points I do want to mention. If you look, where do I want to go with this? Look at the bottom left, the descendants of Ham. And then his, the son at the top, Cush. The last of Cush's sons listed is a gentleman named Nimrod, who plays a really, really big part in the Tower of Babel. And, that, and the area of Babel, I gave it away. Babel, as in Babylon. So, just, just so you see that. And of course, you also see in the descendants of Ham, the Philistines, and then the Canaanites. Now, if you go over, and it doesn't really show it to me real clearly, but if you start at Shem and go through Arphaxid, Arphaxid, are we going to go that? We go, can we go with that pronunciation? That's close. And then Selah and Eber, you come to Peleg, <laughs> Ruth, Sarah, Nahor, Terah, and there's Abraham. And then if you look 
to the right, Ishmael, and then Isaac and Jacob, and you come to the tribes of Israel. Okay? So, you know, gander at that during the week. I just thought it was interesting. But to me, it jumps out really quick that Ham's descendants in a lot of cases were the bad guys. Which his son, his grandson is who Noah cursed. Yeah, so Noah meant what he said, I guess. Okay? Anybody on, I know y'all got some comments on this, surely. I ain't the only one went to go nuts with it like this. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. I won't make this a 100% statement, but does anybody recall reading about any of his other sons? I, can't, I don't off the top of my head. It's good to finally have a visual. Well, that's what I hope to do with this. this. Yeah, that, that's what I was hoping to do. And I'm keeping this, absolutely, because my memory, of course, is... Now, you're just trying to make your brother-in-law feel better, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, well, let's go to this... 10th chapter for just a minute. I'm definitely not going to read this, but I'll point out some of the break points where if you'd like to go back and look at it with these charts sometime during the week. Starts off, first verse, now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and unto them were born sons after the flood. And verse 2 starts with the sons of Japheth. And he's listed first because he's the eldest. And that goes down to verse, through verse 5. And I will read verse 5. By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, everyone after his tongue, after their families in their nations. So it's showing how it, the family tree, in other words. And you start in verse 6 with the sons of Ham. And there it is in verse 8. And Cush begot Nimrod. And verse 10, and the beginning of Nimrod's kingdom was Babel. So there's where Babel, all the story of Babel comes from. Comes from Nimrod, who descended from Ham. That, quote, cursed side of the family from, Abraham, from Noah. Okay. Now, did I not mark? Oh, verse 21. Unto Shem also, we start picking up Shem's descendants. And then I'll read verse 32. These are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations in their nations, and by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. Okay?
anybody takes their thought. That's, that's really all I wanted to cover this morning. I really didn't want to get started into the babble, and my knees are getting noodly anyway. <laughs> Just to be honest with you. In verse 5. Yes, ma'am. Would you read that and explain the different areas? Did that change? Well, they would have been the first ones in the area. And, and, you know, as people spread apart, and even generations, you you know, you, you start using different words. You know, words change. So I think as they spread out, I think their languages did depart. Some, you know, like you take... English in Great Britain as opposed to English here, you know. Uh, the kids will watch, what is that cartoon? Peppa Pig. And she'll make some statements and they look at me and say, what? They just call something totally different from what we do, yet we both speak English. So as they just, just from spreading out and, you know, they couldn't call each other on the cell phone, you know? I quoted Betty Tales yesterday while my dad was at our house, and everybody that lives in my house knew exactly what I was talking about. And my dad would like look at me like I had horns coming out of my head. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, is that kind of what you're thinking? I've always wondered these were brothers, mm -hmm. but they changed as they went into different areas. Uh, does the Atmosphere have something to do the different the temperatures, the land, have something to do with Well, it sure had it had to affect them. Sure it did. They, they don't have to move to different areas to be different. Yeah. I know a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a, I have a brother too. We're yeah. Yeah. But sure it did. It had to have affected, you know, their climate. Yeah. Or did they want to choose their own? Yeah. And you know, as they go into a different area that no one's ever been to, and they see something they've never seen before, they're going to name it. Well, this son's descendants may go over here and run into the same animal and name it something different. So you're naturally going to have the languages start getting further apart. Yeah. And I, I don't know, but... It did. I did read somewhere that one of these genealogies really wasn't totally complete, and, and I could really understand that because how often did you have a family reunion to catch up? You know. So, anybody else? Like I say, not a doctrinal lesson, but that's okay. I, I thought it was extremely interesting. I hope you did too. And. But we will start next Sunday on one specific son and his descendant Nimrod and Babel and the significance of that.